Welcome to the Dave and Peg podcast installment. Or is there a third one? Episode? Yeah, episode <laughs> three. Installment. Installment. I think it's week episodes. Episodes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we're, I mean, so yeah, welcome uh, to our podcast. And in in this one, we're, again, we're getting some feedback that, you know, you guys are, wow, you're kind of crazy. You're all over the map. You're really jumping in. Well, then that last one, because I think we were, you and I had said, we were, Trying to, we're trying to find what fits for us, what kind of style, and we can go anywhere from, like this Joe Rogan kind of, hey, I'm gonna riff for a while, and I'm gonna interview someone, and it's gonna be pretty freewheeling, and part of that is attractive to you and me, I think, because that's kind of an energy we enjoy. Um, did we riff? Did I riff a little much last time? Maybe, but uh, at the same time, you had just said to me a few minutes ago. Most important thing is that you and we I have fun. Yeah, we have fun. Yeah, because if, if this isn't fun, then I'm not gonna get in my vehicle or meaningful or whatever. Like, exactly. If we well, walk away going, hey, I enjoyed talking. I think it's fun too. It has to be, you know. I think there has to be a fun element for me and you, or else, you know, we're not getting paid for this. So we do this because we. Think wait a minute. We have, wait a minute. What? We're not getting. Yes, we're taking donations. <laughs> you right. You'd like to donate to the Dave and Peg Show. Hi, welcome to Dave and Peg's mm. podcast, brought to you by Lysol right. hey. Disinfectant. That would be cool. We should get a sponsor. Um, we should get a sponsor. Yeah. Maybe my counseling center will sponsor it. Or my they, they my maybe money. my maybe new ketamine clinic. Who knows? Ah. Um so we we um yeah, so Dave and Peg David Dave and Peg, you and I need to be having fun and I I have fun because our conversations I think are interesting. And if I'm interested, hopefully there's a few other people are interested in hearing two guys kind of go off on a bunch of different topics that are hopefully relevant to yeah. people's lives. Yeah. And and, uh, you know, we, we've said broadly our, our, our show is trying to explore themes of, of how to live an authentic life around spirituality, faith, life, relationships. It's kind of going a little deeper than, than the average, mm-hmm. you know, than, mm-hmm. than the average uh, kind of podcast. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, so just uh, you were a bit late today. For and I had texted you. Said, "Hey, how's it looking?" Yeah. And, and you said, "Actually, I'm on. I'm still on a call to Ethiopia. Might be a bit late." Yeah. And so I just asked you. So how are things in Ethiopia? So how are things in Ethiopia? Yeah, I, I just did an interview with our uh, my friend Saeed. He's a he's an amazing guy. He is the country director that we work with in in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. So he basically runs all of our on the ground teams in Ethiopia. Staff of about fifty. And all of our water projects are done through him and his team. Right. And he's become a good friend of mine over the last 10 years and got to know him and, you know, see him three, four times a year and his family and that kind of stuff. So I was on the phone with him today and it was just, there was a somber, there's a somber tone. Um, there was just a sense that, uh, you know, this pandemic that we're in, um, we have, we have really no roadmap. Um, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's moving quick and we're really scared that if this pandemic gets loose in a country like Ethiopia. Um, they just do not have the infrastructure. They don't have the medical system. And lots of vulnerable people, right? Very vulnerable. Like different than even here where we might yeah. say the, uh, you know, folks over 70 or with or with immune yeah. system issues, saying in Ethiopia it could be like millions of people. Yeah, yeah. And and that's that's real. And it's uh, I started thinking about that. And, you know, in my conversation with him, I, I got choked up and, and mm. uh, I just said, man, uh, for the last 13 years, we've invested in communities to give them access to clean water. And if 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 all of that is for this moment now, you have water, you have access to clean water and soap. You gonna you have an opportunity to defend your small community mm-hmm. that no one cares about. These are the forgotten poor on our planet that mm-hmm. no one you know no government is gonna care about what it spreads into these rural communities. And especially right now, governments are just cared about their own borders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, it was a somber conversation, and I was uh, I was feeling emotional about you know what this could mean in were. the next six weeks for my my friends in Ethiopia. Peg, so, I yeah, think one of the, the things we, we love so much about you. I mean, you're you're obviously a high energy guy, and you you do so many things, but you got such a sensitive, tender heart. And uh, and Saeed is someone that's a friend of yours, and these are people that you know, and yeah. and in many ways, Ethiopia is really a second second uh, home yeah, country. It really you. is. It it does. It so feels, it's gonna be uh, tough. It does. Yeah. And I again, it, it's they think they had maybe fifty eight cases again known, but as you know, uh, you're really taking a picture now of what it was like, you know, 10, 11 days ago. So you know, with the with the identified yeah, cases. So it, yeah. So you, it, it's it's. Who knows what Ethiopia will be like as far as cases in two, three weeks, right? 
Um, they've already, so yeah, we've got Rum for Water is engaged in a kind of COVID-19 emergency response plan, um, sending uh, finances to buy masks, uh, hand sanitizer. Uh, we've produced video um, tutorials on how to wash your hands, how to do safe distancing. That's already in play. Um, mm -hmm. And so in their languages in different places, and uh, we're taking out uh, things like working with local governments to do radio ads because they don't, most of these people don't have internet and, you know, that kind of stuff. That would be the main communication. Main communication is radio places, still yeah. in some yeah. of these remote places. It seems so, like, so ancient. Like, well, what? whatever. That's I the mean, reality, right? So way to go. And I know you didn't, you didn't ask for this, but let me just inquire. Uh, I know with the race having been postponed and, yeah. you know, that's such a big part of your guys' fundraising uh, work. Is there, is there, how can we support Run for Water right now? Yeah. Is it just general <laughs> donations, just get online or what do you want well, to say? Well, actually, you know, it's kind of cool. We're, we're launching in, in about three days. We're going to be launching a, a virtual race at the end of May. Oh, that's cool. And it's, it's free for anyone who wants. You'll be able to sign up at runforwater.ca. Uh, so the you have to virtually break a sweat. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, well, yeah, you do. Uh, so the idea <laughs> you is... Know, you is, want me to actually break Yeah, a actually sweat. really break a sweat, not virtually. I, had a, I just did virtually 10 marathons. I did in my head. I just yeah, ran a marathon. It was so good. So I was so fast. I broke the two-hour mark. The <laughs> I marathon, did, I did. Virtually. Um, so yeah, basically what it is, is it's, it is what you think it is. It's uh, as a family, you sign up. It's for free. And any family who signs up, we have a couple of generous donors who approached us to say, hey, we want to give to Run for Water, but we really want it to be an opportunity for the community to get involved. And so what we said to them is, could we use your donation um, in essence as a, as a way to match other donations and as a way to incentivize families to sign up? Okay. So if you sign up as a family, $25 automatically gets donated to Ethiopia for the COVID-19 response. So it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Sign up as many families as you can. All the members of your family are included. Just by signing up, you are already supporting yeah. COVID in yeah. Ethiopia. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So that's it's really cool. And then there'll be opportunity to also do fundraising if you want or, or donations. Uh, so that's going to take place for the next six to eight weeks. Excellent. And you can sign up for a five, a 10K or half marathon. We're going to be sending, you know, videos on how to train at home, how to, you know, get your kids to run around the house, like outside your yard for 50 times, you know, over an hour or get on a treadmill or whatever. If you're cooped up in an apartment, there's ways to do it and be creative. If you happen to live out on a farm, great. You can go for and a that, run. Is that going to be like on the run for water race yeah, day? Or? Yeah, it's oh, going to cool. be during the week of the last week of last May. Last week of May, yeah, yeah. So we're going to help. I mean, our, our goal is we would love a thousand a thousand families in the lower mainland to sign up what a great goal i love that <laughs> and uh, get people active and doing something for our glo a global cause yeah. and uh hopefully that'll generate uh, twenty five thousand dollars just right there by getting a thousand families active and speaking just as you know just a guy you know feel free to pump out any updates from ethiopia i mean of course i care about canada right now and, yeah. and abbotsford and lower mainland but um, you know, you you have brought Ethiopia to our mm. to our consciousness, so yeah. we care. And yeah. So, so yeah. Well, thanks. thanks, thanks, Dave, and and yeah. So uh, go go to runforwater.ca. You can donate. You can uh, sign up for the virtual event, and we'll be having some fun, uh, kind of neat things that we roll out every week. Some new new fun ideas. Oh, cool. So yeah. So that'll yeah. be. So stay tuned with runforwater.ca, and we'll have some uh, some cool. ways to get involved and be a global citizen and. See if we can help stop the spread of this virus a, a little bit in, in places like Africa. Oh, love that. Hey, uh, let me uh, <clears throat> drop down with uh, this is something I picked up today that I, I really liked and um, might be, I think, I think it was helpful to me. So it might be helpful to folks. So um, I think all of us are aware that whether we're having like acute moments of stress and worry, like so like when I mean acute, like it kind of spikes up like in yeah. a moment or it's the, you know, kind of a sustained kind of a bit of arousal, you know, hyper, or emotional arousal so that our systems are just a little bit more aware, which can also take a toll on us. Um, <clears throat> this, uh, so I was on a workshop put up by University of Cal Berkeley, and you know, that's kind of my- Cal what? University of California, Berkeley, okay, sort of my Cal mecca for yeah. uh, positive psych stuff. And their, their resources are, all their stuff is uh, peer reviewed in journals, yeah, completely evidence-based mm -hmm. stuff, so I really mm -hmm. like it. And Dan Siegel was one of the guys mm, on the... Siegel is the girl. Isn't he great? Course. I know, he oh, is the mind. Yeah, yeah. And he was on this workshop. Anyways, uh, the two things that I thought were were really useful, um, one has to do with uh, if 
if you are just kind of feeling like, hey, I'm whether I'm at home with the family by myself or at work still, whatever it might be, if you kind of kind of feel that your system is just a little, just a hair or two up from normal as mm-hmm. a baseline, uh, what's really important is two or three times during the daytime hours to take intentional pauses. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can be only, it only needs to be about uh, three or four minutes. There's lots of things you can do in that pause. You can do like just uh, some gratitude work or whatever. But um, uh, doing some intentional breathing is really, really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Siegel had a way of doing it that I'd, I don't know how I've never heard this one before, but I tried it and I liked it for lots of different yeah. reasons. So maybe can you, you and I me? do it with you. And, yeah, you know, yeah. anyone who's listening to us, Love you it. can just do it anytime. So it's called 468. Okay. And uh, what you're going to do is you're going to inhale for four seconds, hold your breath for six seconds, then exhale for eight seconds. And you really want to deflate the lung as much as you can on that eight second exhale, right? And then just take a second and then do that two or three times. So, uh, what, but what's also really important to the efficacy of this is is counting in your head. Okay. So, and you, I'm sure you get, okay. you, you know, the Let's attention piece. Okay. okay. So, four. So, six, through, through your nose? Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. It's, yeah, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. So, in through the nose, out through the mouth, so smell the candles, blow the candles, smell, smell the flowers, blow the candles. So, four seconds in, hold okay. for six, and then out for eight. All right? Okay. And on the exhale, see if you can get rid of all your air. Yeah, good. I love the look in your face. Okay, so let's try it again. Just so in one, two, three, four, hold two, three, four, five, six, and now exhale two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's a. It's just a. A very um, effective, but mm. but uh, you know so you can kind of contain it in one little yeah. you know two minute breathing section. It's a, it's just the idea is you're just giving yourself a pause, mm. giving the that you and I've talked about the default mode network yeah. that's getting a lot of buzz in that's our the world. Busy is, brain that keeps yeah get that's doing lots of stuff. You know, it, it keeps can, us moving through our lives, yeah. but it it's stupid in the sense that it's not. It just does what it does. And so if we've ramped it up yeah. because of, you know, for whatever news story, whatever we've read, or just yeah. we're just on alert because of what's happening, um, it's going to cooperate. Yeah. It's just going to go with that energy. So it's going to be even doing more of its mm-hmm. kind of busy work. And, yeah. and that'll take a toll on, on our sleep. It'll take toll on our digestion. It'll take toll on our, our uh, sex drive. Just mm-hmm. the normal kind of... Uh, auto auto functions of the body plus mm-hmm. our overall wellness. So that's uh, yeah, four six it. eight yeah, from the, the me hot off the Dan Siegel Press from uh, this afternoon. Yeah, you know I've 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 introduced you know intentional um, mindfulness um, training as we talked about last time a, a bit from Sam Harris probably for the last eight eight or nine months right. in a pretty 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 disciplined regular way because okay. I've, I've I've been seeing it for me um, the biggest place it's showing up. Is and it took a number of months to get into this, but the biggest place it's showing up for me is is in my ADD brain, and um, I, I I try to describe it to people. Um, I came across this analogy and I thought, yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Um, my my and you would, you know what this is like, Dave. Um, my, my brain feels like um, there are I'm in a busy party room. Imagine there's like 20 people in a kind of a cramped space okay. and there's conversations going on. Not everyone's talking to me, but I can hear all these conversations. I mean, I know this is just a metaphor, so it's not like, cool. oh, Peg's got all these voices in his head. But, yeah, he <laughs> yeah, does actually. Because that's I what I thought. Yeah, right. I thought you were schizophrenic. But it feels like there's all these people talking and I have to really work hard to focus my intention on one task and and try to shut down all the millions of other things. Yeah, that are absolutely. Out. One of the yeah. one of the diagnostic pieces for ADD is stimulus comes at you kind of at the same volume, mm-hmm. and you don't it the, you don't you're not able to unconsciously titrate that. You have to consciously do right, it, right, right. That's tiring. So I, I've worked really hard in my life to to use my ADD for my advantage, and I've been very effective. I'm I'm smart. I've got a good IQ. I've got a great upbringing, and so it hasn't. You love the ADD energy. Yeah. it's worked for you. I've yeah. worked for it, and I've said, okay, I'm gonna. You know, use it, but where it gets really tiring, and um, 
and I, I can get, you know, I can get focused and get a lot done. When I'm focused, I'm really hyper-focused, right? And everything else kind of goes away. Um, but it's, it's in the evening where my brain starts, is trying to unhook from the day and all the things I'm juggling 12 million things and running a, you know, a video marketing business. So you, you, you just don't like calm down quickly. I don't. Your ADD brain kind of trickles yeah. into yeah. the time of your day when you don't want to be ADD. And I find that the mindful breathing in the morning, um, for 10 or 20 minutes allows me to have those pauses. And I'm now noticing, you know, it's been taking a while. But I'm at any time in the day, I'm going, there's only one or two voices in my head right now. Wow. It's just, it's really getting nice and quiet in my head. And it, I, <laughs> I've never, I know that sounds weird. It sounds, it doesn't sound weird. I just love the, the sound of it, which is, yeah. it's just quieter in my head. How yeah. about that? It's awesome. Yeah. And like for me, uh, you know, Heather notices it and uh, she just says, wow, you, you can actually look at me and be focused and not just on your phone and a million other things and, you know, and, and so anyways, it's, uh, I, I can't, you know, I can't recommend uh, starting a breathing practice, at least, you know, this, a four, six, eight, do it for five minutes a day. That, that's just a, a, just a simple thing. A day, but, a positive. You're talking about in meditation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just my little comment on meditation as, a, as maybe an encouragement to probably the majority of people who are listening to this and maybe slightly rolling their eyes, not not at the idea of meditation, yeah. but just that like it doesn't work for me. Mm. I've tried, yeah, it doesn't yeah, work, and yeah. I get that. Yeah. Just to say, yeah, it the value of mm -hmm. intentional meditation probably doesn't pay off for at least a month. Right, yes, you know, yes, yes, it, yes. You know, yes, you're yes, not yeah. probably gonna see during that yeah. next day, hey, yeah. everything's quiet in my head. Yeah. And and so that's kind of hard for us when we don't kind of get immediate gratification yeah. from our investment, but uh, without, Without question, it, it is a really, uh, really, really useful practice. So I'm in the middle of a book called Altered Traits by Daniel Goleman and Richard Davidson. Um, science reveals how meditation changes your mind, brain, and body. But you're saying there's a, the question they're asking through good uh, yeah. research uh, uh, design is, uh, does mindfulness actually change our, can it change our, our, our kind of given personality? Yes. Or, and, and they're, you know, they're actually saying... Sure, is it, does it relax you for that day or whatever? Or does it actually change the wiring in your brain? Like, will there be actually neuroplasticity, I growth of dendrite neurons in your brain when you start practicing these things? And will it actually change your physical makeup of your body, when it, how it handles stress, how it handles disease, how it handles... And they, they, they've been tracking this for the last six years, and they just revealed their studies. Drum roll. Yeah. And? and? The answer is yes. yes. There you go. The answer is wow. yes. Wow. This can actually change your brain and your physical body when you begin to do, they say, 10 minutes a day um, of a minimum, and it starts changing after about 25 days. So 10 minutes a day, 25 days, and you start actually changing the neurochemistry of your brain by just practicing yeah, mindfulness yeah. traits. Now, I don't I know recommend if, the book, Altered Traits. I don't know if this is, uh, this, it's not the same research, obviously, but about, uh, th let's say, five, six years ago, University of Wisconsin published a, uh, a study, and again, double-blind, and somehow, I don't know how they did this, they were able to measure the size of the amygdala, mm. and the amygdala is the alarm center, yeah, of, center of, yeah. the fear center of the <clears throat> yeah. limbic brain, uh, before an eight-week course in mindfulness stress, mm. uh, MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction, yeah. reduction, which is a, it's a, it's been around a lot, so they can use that as a control. And for the folks who, who went through, so there was some that went through MBSR, some went through uh, cognitive therapy, so there's different, and then there's just your basic control group. And uh, for the group that went through the eight-week MBSR, their amygdalas had atrophied by a factor of three by the end of the course. And when it comes to the activity of the fear center, size does matter. Wow. So it, it really, we're talking about just how how aware your brain is of fearful stimulus. Yeah, you know, my, my obviously, head is a teacher, and, and one of the things they're doing this week is, is that all the teachers in Abbotsford are, they're kind of, their first thing is, you have to make, you know, a phone contact with the family and each student just to say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, cool, I like that. You know, and kind of, <clears throat> you know, just let's have a little touch point, yeah. and then we'll start rolling out content of stuff to do and that, and that kind right, of thing. Right. And so it's really interesting as you, 
you really get a snapshot into the inner lives of these parents, particularly moms. They're, these are the, you know, Heather's talking to all these moms and then getting, getting the moms to put their little nine-year-olds on the phone with her. And, you know, and she's just kind of doing what she does, which is just be a really pleasant, calm presence for them. And I said, oh, you know, I asked her yesterday, hey, how's your, how the phone calls going? And she said, you know, wow, it, it in a time like this, it's shocking how elevated the, the these mothers are, you know, it's it's elevated elevated in their stress. Yeah, their stress. They're yeah. so anxious. They're anxious about my kids are going to be dumb. They're, there's no education. I don't know what to do. I'm not a teacher. Um, my you know we're going to get COVID. We're going to all you know. And it's just like this is you know after ten seconds of pleasantries, it's quickly downshifting into you know how are we going to make it through this and and know, how can we support parents to be grounded yeah. to be to be present yes. because their kids will dysregulate if they're exactly. dysregulated right and that's the i think and you know heather is so good at this is just you know calming people down by just her tone of voice her own her, grounding yeah, yeah her own presence and, yeah. and she just you know tells these moms your job is not to be a teacher you know you're not a teacher I'm, and we don't expect you to teach them we've got materials for that and it's not the end of the world if they don't, you know, learn everything. We're, they're going to be okay. Your main, your main job as a mom, is to, to is to kind of start modeling how you can take care of yourself. And if you can start saying, "I'm going to be okay, kids," and start talking like that to them, and actually being okay inside, they're going to begin to calm yeah. down too. But if you're elevated and you're at an eight or nine out of ten, they're going to start picking that up. Of yeah. course they are, and yeah. they're going to feel stressed. And so, I mean, this hey, uh, uh, you know, time the, like this is we have got to be well, giving people this stuff. Well, welcome to Dave and Peg's Mental Health Podcast. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, it is what else what are we going to talk about in a time like COVID-19? No, no, no. It, it's relevant. I, I, um, to my uh, counseling clients, I sent out a, a graphic today, which I really loved. And it, and I said, hey, you should, I want you to just take a few minutes and say, read this graphic out loud. And, mm. um, and it's uh, on the outside of the circle in, in this graphic. There are a number of things that I can't control. Mm. Things like I can't control how someone else social distances. I can't control how long this will last. You know, just mm. so many things. Yeah. What I can't control, and then on the inside, mm. what I can control, Great. and what I will positively affirm. I can control my mood. I can control how often I wash my hands. You know, you get the idea. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And when we can, when we can <clears throat> remember that there mm. are things I can't control. The, it, what a difference it makes to our mental health. I've been working with a health professional uh, this week um, in, in Abbotsford. And this, uh, this health professional, like so many of our health professionals, does carry a legitimate burden for the well-being of their patients. And, okay, we're in a time when, when people are going to die. And I could feel the emotional escalation mm -hmm. on this one. And I had to remind this person, um, you've got to say it loud. Mm -hmm. And this is tough. You have to say it loud. It's not my job to keep people alive because I don't have control over that. Mm -hmm. I, as much as that seems like, really, mm -hmm. you don't want your health? Well, we can try to do whatever we can that might mitigate mm -hmm. that. But I actually don't have the finger on life and death for people. Yeah. And But you can see if that if that insidiously gets into a person's mind how much their panic is going to mm -hmm. go forward when they realize that people in fact are dying they can take they can internalize mm -hmm. it they can own it themselves and the more they can say out loud it's not my job to keep people alive my job is to provide the best health care i can today in this moment given all the variables mm -hmm. and that i can control knowing that if i do that i have mitigated the risk of people dying to a certain mm -hmm. degree and to find joy in that yeah. to find positive meaning that that is what i mean i got into healthcare because i care about yeah. people and i want to yeah. keep them alive right so that so that 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 little uh, you know cognitive shift being mm -hmm. able to say out loud what can't i control and then what can mm -hmm. i control and you know that focus reminds on, me and this that, is, yeah. um I, I i love that dave and i think this stuff is helpful for people i mean it's helpful for me too um it uh, there's this kind of you know a funny little fable a little story from the, the buddha and uh and it, it he, he talks about the difference between witnessing and carrying and i was like what does that mean when it comes to stress witnessing something and that means being a witness and being present to it and being I'm close and personal to it and, yeah. and holding it and looking at it and versus carrying it and he says 
there was this, and it starts with this story of he was with these, you know, people that are, you know, listening to him teaching and, and they were walking along a path and, and there was this massive boulder, kind of, you know, eight foot tall boulder and they're walking by it. And, and, and the Buddha said to his students, uh, uh, you know, no, they, they asked him, it's like, is this, is this, uh, is this rock heavy? And he says, it's only heavy if you pick it up, but it's not heavy if you don't pick it up. And he's like, what do you mean by that? He says, there's lots of things in our life that are massive and heavy. Death and dying around, around this disease are, you know, these things. They're big. But some things in our life we are not meant to carry. You're meant to witness them, but you can't control it. Right. So you can be present to it. And I even talk about this. And have empathy for totally. each other and in the moment. moment. Yeah. But it's not yours to carry. Right. And I think about how many things in our life, like you make that circle, right? And this, it, it hits me as a parent, primarily. This is where I really Absolutely. get trained. Right. I look at my four daughters, and they have, each of them has their own road in their life that they need to learn and grow, and there's stuff that they have to work through. And as much as, as a parent, I would love to pick up their burdens and carry them and fix them, yeah. that's not my job as a parent. It isn't to Certainly carry. not when your kids are adults, no. like yours. And I mean, that's, that's I tough be, stuff, I man. I want to walk with them. I want to be a great dad. I want to cheerlead them. I want to give them the resources they need. But at the end of the day, this is their road. This is their stuff to carry. Yeah, to be able to get close up to their to their burden and say, wow, that is a, a large really burden. Hard. I'm yeah. so glad I get to be close to you right now. Yeah, so but you're I'm not, not going to So carry you're not it. alone no. in, in this moment. Yeah, uh, yeah that it, it does make a huge difference. I mean, even, even as we started today, you know, how hard it is for you not to be with Saeed, how hard it is not to provide like something that's going to tangibly change mm-hmm. the yeah. moment for Ethiopia today. You've got to be here. And yeah. yet you were able to be on a phone call, be close with your brother yeah. and to be able to say, I, I'm, I don't know, but I'm so glad you told me. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I yeah. could I could feel your feelings and and be with you yeah. in a moment. That yeah. yeah, those are that's so good thing. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna I, I yeah, just I'll tell you where my brain went this this week and and maybe touch in for a few minutes on this uh, this idea of the kingdom of God and why it why it struck me. And we had we had said I think in our first podcast that both you and I and I think others too in our Nexus community are noticing a bit of a, uh, a move back towards some of the symbols of Christianity and some mm-hmm. of those kind of more structural elements of, of our faith mm-hmm. and almost like saying, hey, I, I forgot that they're, mm-hmm. you know, with all the stuff that, that messed me up and fucked me up for a few years, yeah. that in the middle of that, there's some wonderful, wonderful wisdom that, we, that we've got some real cool things to experience. And for me, one of those, and I think for you too, is this concept of the kingdom of God. So, um, uh I, I watched the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is, uh, so we talked yeah. a couple of weeks ago about A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is this fictionalized story of this journalist that Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers uh, connected with in the movie. But there's a documentary out, really, really well done documentary called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And it follows Fred Rogers' life and kind of mm-hmm. who he was. And uh, I didn't know this. He was an ordained minister, Presbyterian mm-hmm. Church. And in some ways, when you see him, especially as young, you're kind of like, yeah, I, re- I recognize you. Mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, I, you look like kind of someone from my Christian days kind of a thing. And, uh, and yet Mr. Rogers and Fred, no, in this case, Fred Rogers, uh, he talks on the documentary about, uh, he said, I don't, I, I don't want to impose the the words of my religion on kid children who don't necessarily come from that framework mm. maybe they have other words he it said but it doesn't matter what words the kingdom of god is the same in any language and i i liked what he kind of said there mm. like it doesn't we don't even have to use the word kingdom or god but the this what what are we talking about you and i riffed on this a bit mm. on the phone the other day which is i start thinking about if you think about the universe, yeah. what is the yeah. way of the universe? Yes, how does yes. how does the universe run? Yes. What's its what's its mechanisms? What's the what are the mechanics of the universe? And uh, certainly, to one level, I think we can lean into physics, mm-hmm. into Newtonian physics. But Newtonian physics, in my judgment, is limited only to things that we can empirically measure. Mm-hmm. But I think you know not the the experience of ninety five percent of all human beings is that there's a sense of something mm-hmm. beyond that which we can empirically measure. Yeah. And so, what are those things? And let's just that's just for uh, starting points to talk about love so it's right. hard to measure love but is love part of this way of the universe i.e. the more you cooperate with love inside mm-hmm. yourself in relationships in relationship to um, the you know the physical world 
etc. Does life seem to go better yeah, for you? Do you I, know what I kind of? Oh, totally. Um, there's. Um, um, I remember I was I was first introduced to this when I when I read C.S. Lewis way back. I think it was the Abolition of Man um, is one, one of C.S. Lewis's novels, but he expands on it in some other his, his nonfiction work too. Which is this? He he. I mean, he uses he draws from this Eastern notion of the Tao, right? So Taoism is uh, an ancient. Chinese uh, kind of philosophy of life um, that is D-A-O D-A-O yeah um, and uh, d- you know T-A-O some people use the T some people use the D it's pronounced so say okay I've seen yeah, both so yeah, they're the yeah, same thing yeah the same thing okay. yeah and um, and so what, what it basically is is you know he described it like this he says there is something universal in when we take a look at the universe as if you'd look at um you know, what's the best way for traffic to flow? Like, you, you know, you, you kind of go, oh, we've we've studied traffic. I remember we talked about a book, you know, and you go, we realize that traffic circles like this. And then we kind of, what's the best way for things to work? Okay, can I stop you really quick? On the traffic thing? That traffic circle thing was fascinating to me. Sure. Because I listened to a whole podcast, How Stuff Works, on traffic, on traffic, traffic circles. circles. Yeah. And for, uh, they really became popular. They really kind of started in the United States, but then they grew in the early part of the 20th century like 1910, mm-hmm. 1908, and then they grew to Europe. Um, but it, in the early part of the century, they fell out of favor in uh, civic civil planning, city planning for American um, road, system, uh, road yeah. systems, yeah. and um, because it didn't work very well, right. and they had a little more traction in the states. And it wasn't till the early 1950s, so almost half a century after doing traffic circles, that an engineer stood back, a German engineer, and he looked at it and he said, "Wait a minute." The way they were doing it was the inside traffic was yielding to outside traffic. Oh, that's terrible. And it would just create huge right, traffic right. jams. He said, what if we change that around? What if the outside traffic has to yield to the inside, right. the incoming, right. the oh, incoming traffic, and all of a sudden traffic oh, circles. Right. And in, in Europe and in Canada, too, they've become, you know, really, really popular, but still hard to p- catch yeah. on. So anyways, I just, yeah, no, it's I cool. love the traffic circles. Uh, it's fun. So, so Lewis, and, and obviously he, he's, he's studying uh, Taoism as a, as a, as a way of, of understanding the universe. He describes it this way. He says, imagine um, a piece of wood like grain. When you cut a piece of wood, you can see the grain. And he says, as you work with that piece of wood to make it into a table or whatever, the best way to do is to work with the grain, to sand with the grain and to work with it. And if you work against oh, okay. the grain, you're going to get slivers. It's going to the, the grain. Okay, by the way, lays down. I wish someone had said that to me like 50 years ago. Yeah, it would have made a difference about it. I did not know that until yeah. you just said that. So that's a good you, idea. As you work with it, it's like, oh, this is easy. The grain wants to lay a certain direction. You know, it's like the flow of a river. The like, you know, the Fraser River is massive, and when you move with it, life's going to go smooth and easy because there is a directionality toward the river. I like this idea, I, and I really like that I had that. Word, the grain of the wood yes, or the, the flow of the, the river, yes. the, the way that it's intended to yes. kind of move. And so as you look at that and say, okay, so what is the grain of the universe? What what does Taoism say are the kind of the key principles of, of the way of the universe if we want to, you know, what is it flowing that way? So... What is you're saying? What is the, so what is the grain way? of the yeah, universe? What is the grain of the universe? And and, and Lewis and obviously you know, I mean he's drawing from Taoism, so you can look at this. Uh, but he says there's this a universal, you know, grain of the universe that you see in every world religion is getting snapshots of that the river. So they might get like let's say we'll use the example of the Fraser River. Let's say it's like I don't know half a kilometer wide. I don't know it's pretty wide, right? And some religions are going to get, you know, 30 feet and that beach. They're going to get that picture and get that part of the flow. And they're going to say, this is what the river looks like. And you're like, yeah, it does that's look our, like that. That's our take on the, or, on the river. Yeah, you're like, the, another picture says, there's this element over here. And you're like, yeah, that, that's a good picture of the river. You got that picture over here. But Lewis says there's a bigger framework that none of us have full access to. Hmm. That, that there is a... The, the grain of the universe, Christianity, using its symbols, is doing the best it can from a Near Eastern religion. To try to understand one area of, yes, the, yes. of the water. And he says the one thing that everyone gets right is when they begin to tap into the notion of love and compassion and kind of this idea of, uh, a, we, we used to call it like, 
left-handed power, but it's this idea oh, Nexus, of, yeah, 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 the, the Capon concept. Exactly, yeah. the idea of giving up power rather than using might and force. Brute force is. By the not, way, we got to talk about that again yeah, sometime. But go yeah. on. I've forgotten about that. I love that. Yeah. So you know. So so to the as an example that, of, of one of the one of these one of grains, the grains. Yeah. One of the flows. One of the is, currents. Is, yeah. You know, you're always going to be on the right side if you're saying, "How does my worldview come in congruence with the idea of love, forgiveness, compassion?" Okay. That's or, the or, grain. You know, or we might even say, if just like we did at the start of of our podcast, another beach, another area of the water is to say, how how is science talking about how mindfulness breathing yes, can yes. regulate the body? Totally. So the more you incorporate these practices, your body is going to be more in the flow of what it wants to do naturally. That's right. That's, that's just another yes. little area of the water. And we have Christianity. Even as you, I know that mm-hmm. the Taoism, the, yeah. especially the Tao we talk about, it's the way. Yeah. Um, that, that was... Uh, a, a, a phrase that early Christianity used to talk about Christianity itself. They were they there was a period of time in church history where the the thinkers and the leaders were less mm-hmm. interested in Christ per se, although Jesus as a historical mm-hmm. figure was this, the organizing you know person. But they talked about the way. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a way mm-hmm. of thinking. It's yeah. a, and Jesus often used the the term the kingdom of God yeah. as being one of these. One of these uh, areas of the beach or the of the river that we're going to talk about, we're exposed to. And yes, there are some macro, you know, parts of it that all religions and mm-hmm. worldviews seem to share. I I like it. It helps me now go back to using terminology like the kingdom of God is like mm-hmm. the kingdom of the yeah. flow of this river is like a man who da, 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 da. that's yeah. what I think you and I were so drawn to the yeah. parables but I think the mistake and I and I'm, and maybe I'm, I'm shoehorning this in peg a bit I don't know but the mistake for me anyways is when I get to the point where I think to myself Christianity or Jesus or the Bible is the only um, the only commentary on the river. Right, right. And and therefore we have to become like demanding of our Mm -hmm. symbols and Mm -hmm. demanding of our words. As I as we let go of that, I think that's one of the absolute organizing Mm -hmm. ideas of Nexus in the first part was inclusion, not exclusion. That we we don't think that we have the corner on the market on this sort of Mm -hmm. stuff. But I think for for me, in moving in that direction, I had to leave the 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 language and some mm. of the symbols and I miss them yeah right and yeah. so and so I think this is part of what I'm what I'm personally talking about is I'm returning back to a an okayness maybe to mm. to start using the kingdom mm. of God is like yeah or the way of the universe is yeah. like and but not saying it's not the only we're not mm. the only people saying this the the Tao is saying it as well mm-hmm. um, Buddhism is says it as well. Uh, Science is saying it as well. We're not the only voices yeah. into that conversation. Great. Let's all have a cool little conversation. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my dad had this Bible in his study. Um, and it was, I mean, this is the 70s. So I think it was, I think he picked it up in 1972 or whatever. It was. And, and I know the Living Bible, it was, it called, was called The, the way. way. I had one you of those. The same one. I had The Way. My mom gave it the to way. me when I was in grade 10 as a way to make Super me become hippie. a Christian. And I liked all the pictures. Yeah. 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 It was good. Yeah, I remember great. as a kid, paging through, I was sitting on my dad's study, paging through this Bible, and it was, you know, they had translated it, kind of like a pre-Eugene Peterson, the message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had translated it in a kind of a, a, a kind a, of a, a conversational way, way of, yeah. of the Bible, right? And they used, you know, anytime Jesus talking, he's, he's talking, he's inviting people into a way of living, a way of being in the world, right? Right. And, you know, I guess... <laughs> For me, I, I'm again returning to some of these Christian symbols, right, and right. I'm returning to some of the words of Christ, and I'm like, man, there's some really rich ideas in here, uh, uh, you know, about um, you know coming to the end of our your own rope when it comes to certainty. Um, blessed are you when you're bankrupt when you don't have all the answers. Blessed are you when you know when life isn't working perfectly, because in those moments 
where things start breaking down. You begin, you begin to stop, you know, you kind of drop your sense of control on the universe and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to organize the whole world so yeah. it gonna works according to my ego. Right. Blessed are you when it doesn't work perfectly. Because in that, you're going to have to start relaxing. You're going to have to start letting go. Which is a... Buddhists which is talk a, about grasping. Right. You know, they yes, I was saying, this is just the truth of the universe. Controlling and forcing. And, you know, I'm going to... And we, you talked about the things you can't control. Right. You can't control COVID-19. So nope. this is the way of the universe. This is an opportunity for us to learn. I don't get to control everything in the universe. And blessed are you when, you're, when your hands are taken off and you're going, huh, I guess I have to relax. And blessed are you just means yeah. like, happy are you. Yeah. This is well, good for you. Well are you when you take your hands off trying to control things that you you can't control. Yeah. Like you said, trying to lift rocks that are too heavy to yeah. lift. Yeah. You never were intended. Yeah. You'll never be able to. So stop trying to do that and you will be happier. Of course you go, well, that might mean... Uh, I might die. Yeah, yeah. that's yep. which you never really had a choice over, anyways. Yeah, You're yeah. welcome to the reality of it, Peg. This is this is exactly kind of like where my thinking is. I, I want to be able to say to myself because it's comforting and it makes sense to me. The kingdom of God is about love, about generosity, about humility, about strength, about leadership, about closeness, about empathy. This is, and mm-hmm. we could also say the same thing about the. The Tao says, Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert, I don't know what the Tao says, but saying very similar ideas, Mm -hmm. but kind of vetted in a kind of slightly different, Mm -hmm. perhaps, if I, maybe a a more Eastern, uh, Mm -hmm. kind of holistic way of looking Mm -hmm. at it than maybe my little Western brain. Yeah, but I mean, if you, you know, I I know we kind of gloss over some of these teachings of Jesus, but... Um, but they're they're profound and they're very Eastern in, in their kind of their tone, you know. Well, because he was Eastern. Yeah, of course. He's from the Middle East. He's, right. You know, he's, he's, he's kind of has this framework. And, and, and Jesus as a teacher, um, whatever, you know, uh, you know, wh- wherever, whatever gospel you kind of draw from. But there is this sense that, you know, um, the way of the way of God, the way of the universe, the, the way that life is, Jesus is pointing you toward. Hey, live in congruence with the grain of the universe and your life's going to thrive. Like, your family. And, and this doesn't mean blessing. Not kind of, it's... it's not blessing you're, you're, in the material. To, no. Out, no, that's, that's, that's never meant that. No. But think of blessing as wellness. Yeah. As, as, a, as a happiness, uh, uh, a, a goodness inside, if you will. Um, one, of the, one of the elements of, of uh, a more Eastern way of thinking our Middle Eastern, mm-hmm. if you will, way of thinking that you told me, I'd love, I'll, I'll prime you for this, is uh, this, this, I, this concept of salvation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in our, in yeah. our more yeah, modern, yeah. say, 20th century, 19th century yeah. context, salvation came to mean um, not going to hell right. and Rescue. going to heaven, yeah. right. whatever that means, right? So afterlife. Afterlife concept. insurance. Yeah. That's what, and, and I remember you said, well, you've talked a lot about salvation as being wholeness and, and integration, healing. but you said you had a great conversation with Bishop Lazar. Yeah. So, yeah. Remember you, so Bishop Lazar was a was someone who spoke into your life yep. years ago. Like a he's, he's an, an archbishop. Archbishop. archbishop yeah. He's an archbishop of the Canadian Orthodox uh, Church of Canada, um, Russian and Greek Orthodox, and uh, you know, full black robes, beard, the whole bit. Resides on the other side yeah. of the river yeah. in Mission, yeah. right yeah. up the yeah. Abbey in there. area. Yeah. You know, not to be confused with the Catholic monastery, but there is an Eastern or Eastern Orthodox monastery in Dudney, BC. And he's out there. I, I went and visited him a couple, about three months ago, and kind of to catch up. Yeah, you wanted to kind of say, yeah. hey, I've changed a bit in my yeah. life. I want to I kind of thank you for, yeah. for being who you've been in my life. Yeah. And, and we just sit down, sat down and had tea and chatted for a couple hours. And, and uh, I was just kind of throwing some of this stuff out and just talking with him. <clears throat> and he was such an encouragement to me. And, you know, his, his kind of concept is, is he says, you know, he, he's just been so frustrated to watch how particularly evangelicalism, more so in the States, but its influence in Canada is still big. Um, This idea of salvation as rescue from damnation, right? That you're going to raise your hand, go forward at some some kind of event and get saved, right? Because you're destined to hell. And, uh, you know, what's that old, you know, what's that, what's that joke? It's like uh, Jesus, like... uh, um, Oh, yeah. um, Knock on the door. Knock, knock. Yeah. Uh, Who's Who's there? there? Uh, Jesus. Uh, what do you oh, want? What do yeah. you want? What do you want, Jesus, or something? And oh, um, to save you from what I'm going to do if you don't open the door. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Jesus is knocking on the door, 
And yeah, that's exactly right. It's like, what do you want, Jesus? Well, let me in. Well, why? It's like, well, because I want to save you from what I'll do to you if you don't, don't let, let me, me in. in. It's brilliant. I thought that's what a, what a pithy little succinct commentary on what we've done to the concept of salvation right. and the concept of Jesus or the oh or the person of Jesus. Yeah. We've said we said how illogical this is that you want to save me from how pissed off you're going to be yeah. if you don't save me. Yeah. And don't even pissed off. I want to torture you right. for all eternity right. in a conscious way because you didn't let me in. Right. And, you know, it's like, it's such a ludicrous. So when you put it that way, you go, there must be a different way yeah. of thinking about this. Yeah. And so Lazar just kind of says, man, uh, you know, 19th century evangelicalism as, as, a, as a kind of a unpacking from guys like Charles Finney and, and, and some of these early, the early revival movements in, in the U.S., moving into Canada. Largely then, angry men, yeah, by the way. Angry white men yep. saying, we're going to use morality as a way to get people to feel shame, and then we'll use salvation, This the, a really narrow, wrong-headed, theologically wrong-headed concept of salvation from hell as the way to get people to kind of get into our club. That whole evangelical notion is about 150 years old. It has nothing to do with Catholicism or Eastern Orthodoxy or even mainline Protestantism. It doesn't... like. Most Lutherans and Calvinists and Cat, they don't have even any kind of notion of this kind of what we call regenerational salvation. This idea of making a decision for Jesus and getting saved from hell, you know, from heaven right, right. or from hell. And instead, you know, uh, Lazar talks about he 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 uses this concept called theosis, and theosis is a Greek word, and it just means deification, becoming godlike, becoming Christ-like. And the Eastern Orthodox have this concept of salvation not as a rescue from the afterlife, but as a healing of your inner life, a healing on the inside. And to use language that we've talked about on, on, on our podcast, it's really about your parts, all these little inner parts. Internal family systems. Internal yeah. family systems, these parts that we have that we that need to be healed. And what is healing? Right, because mean? I'm out of relationship with them. I'm not together with them. I, uh, there's they've a, been excised. There's a traumatized part of me that mm -hmm. is so hurt. The the feelings that it carries are so toxic for there's me. There's a performance that I, part. I have there's to leave this. it out. And I and people I, won't like me if I don't do this. Right. What if they think about this? You know, all of this stuff as the and the Eastern Orthodox early church fathers, he says. Read Justin Martyr, first, first century. He's talking about the healing of the inner life. And I go, what do you mean? Salvation means the coming together. There's the Greek word sozo, which means the coming together, the healing of broken parts. Wow. And he says, that's what the call of the Christian way is, is to reach out to people and say, the kingdom of God is like parts coming together families that have been dis, you know disparate you know not talking anymore and it's about the healing of you know the internal family system okay i get it okay yeah. let me riff a bit on this because i'm getting goosebumps just listening to you so let's so internal family systems and i look forward to really unpacking this in mm -hmm. depth as we go through this podcast you knew for me one of the reasons i want to do this podcast was to talk way more about internal family systems but it's a model it's of really a model of the kingdom of god by the well, way that's what i want to say oh, my is, goodness. so it's a model of therapy developed by Richard Schwartz back in the in the 1990s and has been slowly increasing its presence in the trauma field to the degree of which now with our leading models of trauma therapy IFS is the most effective trauma therapy we know and now with the emergence of psychedelics into that space all the psychedelic therapies say the therapeutic model that the ther that the psychedelics are going to use to heal trauma is internal family systems. And so internal family systems is, if you think of it as a, a, the grain of the universe, cooperating mm -hmm. with the grain or a way. He There's, discovered the way of the universe he, inside. He tapped into, if I can bring integration through this model of therapy where I'm bringing these exiled, disparate, disconnected parts of myself, of Dave Phillips or yeah. Peg Peters, back into a whole integrated relationship with myself, guess what happens? Anxiety disorders go away, depression goes away, trauma is healed. That's exactly what we're talking yeah. about, is you know that this is the way of the universe when things start working better. Yeah. Yeah. When there's more yeah. substance to them, yeah. when the when the current is flowing the way the current is supposed yeah, to flow, totally. that we say day, I mean beyond say brain injury or, or just you know a broken brain. Dave's brain, Peg's brain, is not supposed to be anxious when there's no danger. Mm -hmm. And yet we are chronically anxious as a as a mm -hmm. as a culture. Yeah. And so we would say the more that we start bringing our 
exiled selves into relationship with us, that we are now in a way of the universe. We're in the, if you will, we're in the kingdom of God or we're in the Tao where we are now cooperating with how this whole intelligent universe mm -hmm. is created. And the more that we can do that, the better the quality of our lives, yeah. internal quality of our lives. And, that's, and, and what if that's salvation? What if that it is? is I think that is salvation. And, and we're arguing for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah, you're being it, rhetorical. I'm sure. positing yeah. this out there yeah. as to say, what if salvation is this ongoing process of healing on the inside and bringing ourselves in line with the way of the universe? And that's an ongoing process. Like, you know, the, the archbishop said to me, Peg, salvation is never a one-time thing. You don't get saved at camp. Salvation <laughs> is an ongoing process that lasts your entire life. And beyond, forever. Yes. What yeah. C.S. Lewis said, further and or deeper and further, further in. in. Yeah, right? that, that, this doesn't end with, you know, this iteration of what our souls are going through, our, our consciousnesses are going through right now. I believe we're growing and learning. We always will. Our consciousness will continue to grow and learn and, and, and have this opportunity to continue to receive salvation. Rece and what I mean by that is the wholeness, the coming together. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, so I, I, I'm really attracted to that. And, and knowing that there, you know, after the end of my conversation with the archbishop, he just gave me such permission to go. I mean, his command of the early church fathers, I mean, he quotes it like, you know, like some of us quote scripture that we've been raised a Bible. John 3.16. He, he quotes the early church fathers left, right, and center to right. me. And he goes, hey. This is what salvation is. This is process of and has of been theosis. mainstream Christianity, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, is, yeah, is the process of becoming godlike. It's the theosis. It's the deification of the of the human being. It's bringing ourselves in, in line. And this is not a moral issue. This is a this is a psychological healing. And I, I said, what do you mean? He goes, this is not about stopping behaviors. It's not a behavior modification program. This is a healing program on the inside, which will automatically have an outworking in how you treat people. You know, this, I, I just thinking about this in terms of the Bible now, right? Yeah. To what degree um, can my Bible, can my scriptures, as opposed to, say, the Quran or something, these are my scriptures, mm -hmm. how can they be useful to my life? So I, I think of one way for me, and and I'm not, I didn't come up with this idea, obviously it's a, a credible way of understanding the Bible. But you think of, of, of this human being, Jesus, uh, for Christians is kind of the the central figure. And let's just say whatever we want to think of Jesus as God or whatnot. Uh, I will say at the very least he had a whole lot of God in him, yeah. right? There was a lot of enlightenment in this man at the very least. It's to the degree to which he was even able to carry suffering of mankind within himself, mm -hmm. so whatever that means. So that we say his words get to be the core, right? The the words, the parables. This is why the Sermon on the Mount. For so many Christian traditions, is regarded so highly because this is like his sermon. This is when he, and then the rest of scriptures, you think of as how we as people now try to interact with what he said. And we can, like, we can look in the Old Testament, and I know they weren't talking about Jesus, but I mean, the, the, the idea of God that was revealed mm -hmm. to them. These people are trying to work out how they understood God. And we can, we can decide historically whether we saw people in a faulty way doing it because their lives turned into rape and war and, and horrible poverty right. and, you know, whatever it yeah, might be yeah. because of, like, like the karmic justice that came upon them for their behaviors. We don't have to look at those stories as normative so that uh, in in um, one of the great, uh, in the Pete Holmes, we talked about Pete Holmes, one of the great episodes in season three. So he's a Christian comedian and and he's on the Christian comic uh, uh, tour and he's going to churches and he's already been warned by the, by the um, promoter that he's got to make sure that his contract is spelled out what he can and can't talk about. Can't use any bodily functions and <laughs> this sort of thing. And he's got to be really good about Christianity. And he's, he's, he's talking to a, a church one time and in a comedy show and he starts riffing on Abraham and Isaac, the story of Abraham and Isaac. And he said, if we don't take from that larger meanings of 
sacrifice. We just let it be a story for what it is. That's a horrible story. Yeah. We have a crazy old man that's going to murder his son. That God told that, him. Right, that, and believe that God was yeah. in the story. Right, he said, if we just let it sit as just a story that we have to follow as stories, says it falls flat on its mm-hmm. faith, and it's really a crazy kind of... And But yeah. we've done that to the Old Testament. I've I've sat mm-hmm. in... in. I think I told you that... Uh, one of the stories that really fucked me up in my first year of Bible college, because I, I went into Bible college basically a non-church person mm. completely. I knew nothing about these sorts of things. Mm. And I, I was in this thing called Spiritual Emphasis Week. And I, I had no idea what I was getting in for. Here I'm just this kid who's barely holding on inside. I had no idea how hurt, how damaged mm. I was. But, you know, thank God that I had this this uh, college that fed me and, and and cared for me. I really do. I've come to really value that. But I had no idea what this Christianity was about. And this spiritual emphasis, we brought in this skilled orator. Okay, this is a person that knows how to motivate. Mm-hmm. I know, it, was, it, was, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. And and he started talking about this story about Achan. Oh, sin of the high hand. Whatever. Oh, no, sin of Achan. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't even remember the story. So yeah. this is, I'm going to give you my memory of the story. You, right. you and sure. Adele will correct me. But the, this uh, God said to uh, to the to Israel, yeah. um, uh, if, as long as you you know do these three things, you'll be good. But Achan mm-hmm. buried something in the sand yeah. that he was supposed to give to the yeah. to the priest or something. They pillaged like, something and he kept some of the gold right. and, and he hid it And then, of course, there's there's famine and the whole yeah. the whole uh, village or the tribe is going downhill. And so then he said, um, I think it was Joshua said, who is harboring sin or right. who is who is hiding from God? And and so I and I felt at that moment that the spotlight you. of the entire campus was <laughs> pointing on me because Tia Walgus, what a 19 year old guy is, is, you know, I'm like a gold medal masturbator at that time. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm feeling completely shamed by it. And feel and I, I, I may kind of be light about it, but I'm telling you, as a it kid, real, yeah. you know, it, it, it was. So you were Aiken. You were, you were bringing shame on and the I entire campus. Everybody knew it, and I believed not just wow. shame. I believed I, my behavior was holding back the work of God wow. at, at Canadian Bible of College. Course. And and I, I, I you can't along even... along with every other male. Well, I didn't know it because none of us were talking about it. And that's the way a guy took the Bible and took a story yeah. and used it for his own purposes and yeah. destroyed some lives yeah. in that auditorium. That If that's how we use the Bible, then, then please throw the Bible yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. no interest. But yeah. to be able to step back and say, hey, how did the how did that tribe of Israel try to come to grips with the kingdom of God? Yeah. How were they doing it? And how did it work for them? To be able to look at those historical stories that way. But when we come to wisdom literature or when we come to the words of Jesus, that just go into your New Testament and read how many times Jesus used the expression, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like. Right, right, right? yeah. And it, particularly if you think, in, you know, he uses that language because that, that language makes sense to them. They're in a kingdom. They have kings. They have rulers. And they're saying each kingdom that they're under, whether it's the Roman Empire or whether it was, you know, Judaic kings, David and Solomon and da 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 there was a way that that kingdom ran. It, and he says... There's a whole different king now. Get rid of these political kings. Get rid of power. That's Rome. And I know you as Jews think of God as Yahweh. Yeah. So I'm going to use that language because it makes sense to you. I also connect to this thing you called Yahweh, to this idea that you call Yahweh. I'll use the same language. And I'm going to say contextualize it that Jesus was saying the way of the universe Mm -hmm. the grain of the wood the flow of the universe is like a man who went to the temple to pray yeah it's like a man who called his friends and gave them talents and went away on a trip that's what the grain of the universe and for me this is so exciting to be able to come back to my parables Mm. to come back to my to my my words to come back to my Christian symbols. Be really proud of it. Yeah. Like I think my my faith has something important to say in the little pond I'm in. Yeah, and particularly if it can um you know and we'll you know we'll kind of wrap it up here. Sure, sure. We've been going for about an hour and a bit. But um you know it, this is a hopefully a start of a conversation that we can begin to have with people at, at Nexus and conversation meaning you know it's obviously a run one way at this time you and I kind of speaking out to these people. But I mean, I guess we're we're wanting people to kind of start kind of re-engaging some of these symbols that that maybe you grew up with and we've tossed aside and said, hold on a minute, um, there's some real depth here. There's some real beauty 
in, in the teachings and words of Christ. And if, if some of the stuff triggers you, ask, ask the question, what's triggering? What, what's going on here? If it takes us back into scorekeeping and judging others and exclusion, exclusion yeah. and saying, I'm in and you're not Then in, that's not the way of the universe. That's not the way of the that's universe. That's going against the grain now. Right. right. But if, if these ideas you know, of the Bible help us move forward in love and forgiveness and openness or, and inclusion, or, then it's going to be part of the kingdom of God. Or if it gives me a way now to have a conversation with my parents. Yeah. Who that's how they talk. Yeah. Yeah. And they're 80, 90 years mm-hmm. of their life. That's their language. Yeah. That's their vocabulary. And it gives me a way of talking about Jesus and in a way that makes sense so we can have honoring, conversations. Honoring the words of Christ, honoring what Christ has brought into you know, what Jesus has brought into this into this world as a teacher, as a as a leader. And billions of people have kind of said, hey, this is good. This is we, we, we want to follow these symbols and we want to say we think there's something good here and we'd love to continue to explore it in this podcast. I, I'm looking forward to the day you start walking around in big long robes with a yeah. little rope at your waist. Yeah, that's and me. Birds landing on, yeah, your, yeah, on the, your arm. The Taoist the, the Jesus follower of the way. Yeah. Why not? I mean, you. I'll tell you this, man. you got a different energy about you these mm. days. You are, like, you're still pegged to me. You're still my friend. You're still the guy that I've, you know, been very close to for almost 30 years now. There's something different about you in it. And it's not mm-hmm. just about the kingdom of God. There's, it feels to me, and obviously you got to be the one to measure this, but it feels to me like there's an openness in your heart right now mm-hmm. to, to uh, pastoring yeah. or to shepherding or, or, you know, having a more kind of spiritual voice yeah. to actual human beings. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to explore, you know, what the science is around, you know, gratitude, what the science is around um, what we call, uh, you know, uh, loving kindness meditation, which is basically just old school prayer for someone. It's putting positive energy. Say more about that, loving kindness meditation. Yeah, loving kindness meditation is is, is simply um, focusing on one person in your life for a number of minutes in your, just in your thought process and thinking about that person and just repeating I, I wish them well. I want wow. I want them that to thrive. That is so powerful. I want the best for them. I want them to heal. I want them to find joy. And just doing that for five or ten minutes towards someone could be someone you love a lot. You're Great. saying that's the same as prayer. That's what prayer is. Remember the movie? Or the scene in the movie Beautiful Neighbor, Day in the Neighborhood and Mr. Fred Rogers is swimming laps mm-hmm. in the swimming pool. And he's, and he's going, about these Lloyd... Vogel, Vogel yeah. His, the, yep. his dad, he speaks his dad, he speaks his wife. Right. That's exactly what you're talking about. So we'll, we'll talk about, maybe we'll get into prayer or something next time. But uh, hey, I hopefully hopefully some of this stuff has Leave been feedback on the Facebook, Facebook page yeah, if you can. Yeah, please email us and say, hey, I like it. Or, yeah, you know, more of this, less of that. Less interrupting, less No, that won't happen. Whatever. But anyways, it's been great. Uh, thanks for tuning in yeah, again. Good to be with you, buddy. Uh, it's, I love it. I love, I love talking about these things. We will pitch another one. We'll do another one in about a week. Yeah. 